And as I said, after the news, after the break, a fascinating conversation here with Anas. Aramayo Anas, the Ghanaian undercover journalist, is here in studio. Had a bit of a problem getting through security. They couldn't let him in because he does not expose his face. All right, we're dipping into the archives there with uh, Dalibung. Nelson Madiba Mandela, uh, the late. When he kind of threw a joke at him and talked about uh, match fixing and he jokingly said, ha ha. Sometimes match fixing is very good. But it's certainly not a good thing because one of the premier investigative journalists, undercover uh, journalists and private eye who gathers hard evidence of crime and corruption and putting perpetrators behind bars, Anas Arimiao Anas, uh, the Ghanaian uh, journal is with us here and 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 what a privilege what a pleasure uh to have you Anas here in studio good evening and welcome to the show good evening thank you we last spoke telephonically and uh, a lot of what you said was literally mind-blowing stuff uh, you've been in johannesburg you've been part of uh, delivering uh the 13th african investigative journalism conference in johannesburg just firstly as a, as a background how did that go well, it went quite well. Um, it was nice meeting colleagues from the continent, and it's almost a yearly ritual that we do. And um, it went quite well. I was a keynote speaker, and I spoke early this morning. And how do you think your key message was received? Uh, because I know one of the things you said is that you you do naming and shaming, which uh, most of you as the audience may be uncomfortable with, uh, but it has worked for me, uh, those were some of the opening remarks that you put forward. Why, why was it important for you to put forward the fact that you do naming and shaming? I do naming, shaming, and jailing. Those are the three basic principles that I use in my undercover journalism. And I do so. And I know that some people, especially in the West, are uncomfortable if they hear the term that a journalist is aiming at jailing. But like I've always said, I'm a product of my society. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to define journalism from from uh, Columbia or better still Oxford and come and give it to me and expect me to swallow it hook, line and sinker. Mm-hmm. I'm a product of my society. I know that institutions in our part of this world are not properly developed. We talk about our judiciary, we talk about the legislature, we talk about the executive arms of government have their own peculiar problems. I see no reason why a journalist should take one step forward Mm. to gather hardcore evidence. After all, as journalists, we do not possess powers of arrest. So when I gather the hardcore evidence I look for in my kind of work, I call the law enforcement agencies who have powers of arrest I collaborate with them and we arrest the people. And after that, I go to court and testify with this hardcore evidence. And I get people jailed. I've done this all my journalistic life. See, I'm not telling you about a system Mm. that is being at an experimental stage. I've done it, tried and tested. My Chinese sex mafia story. They are in jail for 45 years. My... Cocoa smuggling story. They are in jail for 16 years. Nanaku Siajiman, a man who raped girls as young as three, is in jail for 15 years. Then again, the cocoa smuggling story. 
and many others. So I'm talking about journalism that has been tried and tested. I'm a lawyer too. And whenever I go undercover, I take into cognizance the evidential threshold. That is what you need to be able to be able to have an effective prosecution. If you don't know the ingredients of your 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 crime or the crime that is being committed, how do you put the people in jail? Look, we live in the same society with criminals. And there is nothing more irritating than doing a piece of work and coming out and meeting that same criminal you wrote about on the streets. It's a danger to you as a person. So that's how come I do naming, shaming and jailing. Of course, I can understand my colleagues who have problems with it. They say simple that the journalist's job is to inform. I say no. I say no. Maybe in, the, in London and the US. Maybe their institutions are developed. But at least the ones in Africa are not as developed as theirs. So I see no reason why I should take one step forward to assist my police or my judiciary. That is the thrust of my message. And obviously that is, that is deep in, in many different ways, but it's also very true. As part of your presentation, when you talk about my job is not to publish fantastic stories that you will read and smile in your bedroom. My duty is to the society and not to any particular person. And I think you were literally just highlighting the importance of the investigative journalism, but more so the importance again in safeguarding you, Anas. I mean, here you are. Um, I mean, we we live on Instagram, by the way, so you can you, you can pop around and check it out there, uh, Marawa Sports Worldwide, um, to get an idea because you cannot be identified. So I'm sitting here, and I usually give my guests eyeball to eyeball treatment. I can't give that to you because you're under a veil and I cannot see your face, and that is important simply because when you mentioned the kind of cases you've you've dealt with uncovered. People are behind bars and people are very vindictive. And I can imagine the kind of threats that you get. Well, I have always said that journalism is not a tea party. It's risky and dangerous. Mm. Because we take on people that sometimes governments are unable to take on. And we, we, we are able to take on governments themselves. So... You cannot expect that you do a solid story that ends up taking a corrupt officer, mm -hmm. taking the millions off his table. After that, you subject the person to public ridicule. Then after that, the person is jailed. Mm -hmm. When people know you to belong to that strand of journalism, they are not kind to you because they know that the little you do could end up giving them sleepless nights so they would try to outwit you by being faster and will do everything possible to take your life i think that threats to me or my team members it's so normal it's a daily occurrence no story passes without death threats we've seen it over and over and i don't think that they will stop unless we are not dealing with the right issues unless we are not touching the right nerves 
But if we are, then indeed, we are definitely going to have these threats. Our capacity and ability to be able to withstand it, to be able to dodge them and stay alive is very important. And please take note. Mm -hmm. I heard you play the voice of Madiba. Yes. Great personality that we've all learned from. The likes of Osajifu, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, Innamdi Azikiwe and all that. Look, people have died to keep our countries and continents together. They've paid higher prices. People have been shot on the stakes. So posterity will not forgive us to check in out as journalists, to confront the real issues affecting our societies and communities. It is our time. And the earlier we forget about the notion that someone will fly from the West to come and help us, the better. Mm. Because our destiny ought to be in our own hands. We ought to know how to deal with those... In any case, we grew up with those criminals in our society. Isn't it? Mm. So I expect my brother from the BBC or from Al Jazeera to know the criminal better than me? Hell no. If we are going to rid of corruption in our society, it's going to be us. Because we know the corrupt people much better than any Western journalist. Mm. So, like I said threats would always come but our capacity to be able to withstand it is what makes the difference does it worry you what happened in saudi arabia it does and it depends on what you're talking about human rights abuses you're talking about the war which of them Khashoggi. say that again the Khashoggi. yeah of course yes I am deeply worried. And not only Khashoggi. Yes. Many people have come and gone. Um, uh, Zongo, Jiwa, mm -hmm. Nobel Zongo and Jiwa also had their fair share. In fact, for Nobel Zongo, he was given a parcel and very happy to open it. It was a bomb. Mm. And it blasted him and he died. Many African journalists go through this during the days of apartheid. Countless journalists here died. They stood and fought. So, Khashoggi is one of these. And it is not different. It's the same story of holding that powerful weapon, holding that powerful information that the corrupt person or corrupt government is interested in. They would always come after you. In fact, if you do journalism and nobody is coming after you, you are joking. It means you are not in real business. You're wasting time? Exactly. Once you touch the nerves, they would always come after you. And and that is one way where I look at a, a ruling that came through, was it yesterday, from FIFA. One of the individuals that we spoke about when I spoke to you telephonically in our first conversation that had to do with the ex-Ghana Football Association president, President Kwesi Nyekat. Um, you, you exposed him filming him allegedly accepting the cash gift that he, that he accepted. And, and FIFA have now given him a life ban. Is, is that something you're surprised by, Anas? Is that something that sits well with you to say your undercover work was worth it because in the end, justice seems to have been done? 
Well, to be honest, I didn't know it till this morning because yeah. I was in transit the whole of yesterday. So this morning was when I was delivering a speech that someone asked me that question. But look, the work I do is not about individuals. It's about systems that have failed. And so collectively, the man who has just been fired is not better than the 64 people who, are, who were fired earlier. Or the other tons of referees from African countries. I, I do it as a collective and not personal. And I'm not the one who love to mm. um, keep smiling or glorify myself with the misfortunes of others. It is his business. For me, it's about the work. And it's about the impact that it has on society as a whole. Mm. Or better still, on the system that I worked on. Now, if you know, it's good I'm in South Africa, Lucky Dubey. Yes. He has one song that says, one monster dies, another one comes alive. Mm. As I said, other ones have come alive that I'm working on. Mm. So, I saw this maybe four months ago that it was going to happen. I spoke to you on your station and I told you that. Mm. The work I did was watertight. Yeah. And that nobody was going to get out of the net. So I'm not surprised. But like I said, because of the legal issues in court, I would not want to delve so much into Nyantichi and his activities. But anybody else caught on that tape, is going down. You think it's going to happen or you know it's going to happen? You were very confident about uh, the president himself, uh, Kwesi, going down. He's gone down. But how confident are you with the accomplices? Already majority of the accomplices are gone. And it's this is not new. Yeah, I mean, I've done countless stories. Why bring it out if I think it's not ready? I mean, it's... It's just it's when it's it's, it's what I say it is. Hmm. Look, apart from me, different fact checkers. I don't work alone. Yeah. I work with a team. Hmm. Apart from the journalistic team, there's a legal team that looks at every single evidence that comes on the table. So it's difficult to actually leave. If I'm not sure of something, I just leave it out. That's it. Hmm. If I say this is it and I serve you breakfast, please take it as breakfast and nothing more. I mean, you've highlighted and, and I, was, I was quite glad that you were coming through when I went through the transcript of what you delivered this morning um, at the journalism conference. We touched on it very lightly last time about entrapment, and, and you almost likened a, an investigation from Al Jazeera or BBC uh, to say that if they do an undercover sting operation, that it is okay. But then when something similar happens on the continent of Africa, then people start to use the word entrapment. Just break it down for me. When, where do you find difficulty in slicing between the two? I think that is in personalities and right. how they react to incidents that happen. Now, when do we say someone has been entrapped? I think that's a key question one ought to answer. And when do we say that this is a fair undercover job? Mm. 
Mm. Now, if I came to a security person here and the person is paid a hundred rands a month mm. and I offered him 500 rands and I asked him to steal these microphones for me, there is, the law assumes that there is a likelihood that the person may want to do it mm. because the amount of money that has been given out to that person could influence the person. In that same example, if this same security person receives a hundred rands and I come and I offer him three rands to steal these microphones and he does that, the two are not the same. Mm. You can define the 500 against the 100 as entrapment, but you cannot define the two or three runs that the security person took to steal all these microphones, which yeah. is worth more and more than that. That can only spell out one thing, greed. Again, if I came to you mm. and I held a knife and I promised you that I'll give you 200 runs, go kill your mom. And you went and did it. I'm mm. sorry. You have a psychological problem. So, the lines between entrapment and undercover are clear. Mm. Look, when we talk of, of undercover or subterfuge journalism, mm. the public interest is very important. I am trying to say that if, Rob, you were in your bedroom mm. and I came there with my hidden cameras, I have strictly invaded your privacy. That's what it is. Sure. I am not supposed to be there. But if you were in your bedroom together with your wife and you were plotting to overthrow the South African president, I have every right to come there. Because then the issue doesn't become about Rob and wife. Yes. It becomes a national security issue. It becomes an issue of a pub, of public interest that all of us ought to be concerned why you have decided to plot to kill our president. Hmm. So, these differences are clear in the law. I'm a lawyer by profession. Right. Prima facie evidence is key before you embark on any undercover work. So, before I set off to film anybody, I would have been able to prove that this personality is in the habit of committing that crime. So, before I will film anybody, mm. I would have gathered evidence, enough evidence to suggest that this person committed that crime last year. This year, he's committed it three times. And when I come back with him, to him again with my cameras, he will commit that crime again. That is subterfuge journalism. It is very different from entrapment. And and that boils on the on the heart of what was said though when you performed the sting and people in Ghana started saying that your your methods are lacking in terms of ethics and they're not legitimate and pointing towards that entrapment. But now given this particular ruling from FIFA, surely it says something. And you're saying that that foundation is still gonna be shaken even more from the Ghanaian football aspect. The debate about undercover journalism and public interest has always been there from day one. Yeah. It's existed many years. And from the judges' scandal, same argument. 
same. You are invading people's privacy. Yet, most of them have been fired. Same in all these cases that I've mentioned with people going to jail and all that. Same argument came. But I want to ask you a question. And here I will use one of my stories as an example. Sure. Dr. Dra is a doctor in quotes in on the streets of Accra. Well respected in his hospital mm. by all the nurses. He does abortions for people. But when he gets into the theater, he goes there alone. Because what is the job of the nurse in the theater? He doesn't need any nurse there. He goes there and locks the door. What does he do? When you lie on the theater table, he begins the procedure and stops in the middle. In the middle of scooping the dead baby from your, your, your abdomen, he stops and says that the process cannot continue unless I sleep with you. Mm-hmm. Now, girls who are already stigmatized, girls who are already scared and have run to this clinic, who desperately wants this baby out, in the middle of it, you say it will not happen until I sleep with you. So under this coercion, Dr. Dra will sleep with them. Slept with many, many, many women. So I got to know. I went undercover. Mm. I put my cameras there, filmed it. Dr. Dra himself confessed that he has slept with 40, 52 of such girls. Mm. But I know the number is way beyond that. Much He's more. been doing this for years. How else were you expecting me to cover this story? Go with my conventional camera and ask, Dr. Dra, do you sleep with the girls? Obviously not. So you see, it depends. If you want to go for a normal interview, you can go with your camera and ask your minister those questions. Mm-hmm. But certain crimes would always be committed under the cover of the dark. And it's only subterfuge journalism that will bring it out. That is clear. It's right. And where's the doc? Where's the doc now? Say that again. Where's the doctor at the moment? The doctor is facing prosecution as we speak. And if I didn't do this, then after doing this, you say I haven't trapped him. Look, I mean, when people talk entrapment, criminals are criminals. Like I, I have said on this show before, yeah, that those incidents that people call entrapment. After dealing with those before, I felt entrapped. Because by the time you speak to that criminal, he would have told you all the ways, things that you didn't even know. The person will school you all because of greed. Mm. It is greed that leads to that. There's a cake for all of us in society. And if one person decides to pack everybody's cake on his table unfairly, and we think as a people, we should allow these people to do that, then we have a problem. Look, I know my journalism is not comfortable to many people, especially the criminals. Mm. Do you believe? And I'm just going to take a quick break, but just a a quick word. As we go into the break, do you believe you are here in South Africa right now and you followed football throughout the entire continent? Is there a belief within you and within your system whether tried or untried that football in South Africa is corrupt it is okay I have no two ways there's no two ways about that okay I want to find out from you why after the break so stick around Uh, we are here on hashtag MSW 
Good evening, Rob. My name is Alan, and I'm an all-time listener of your show, and I'm in kind of undercover scorpion. Today, Praroba was at Vets University in the same room where that legend, Mr. Anas, was. The atmosphere was something else, Praroba, and I was inspired by his work. All I have to do now is just to encourage him to continue. Continue the good job, Mr. Anas. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Oh, Robbie, journalism is not a tea party. Hey, what a man there you have in studio, Robbie. I just want to tell him that he's the man of his weight because I remember calling, he, he, he was speaking on the phone on this show. He says that he's going to come here in South Africa. Yeah, he is now he's in South Africa. Please investigate, man. You want to know more. Please. Thank you very much, Robbie. This is Wise Man in B. Thank you so much, wise man. Thank you very, very much indeed. We're going to continue our conversation here with uh, Anas is here with, uh, with us on hashtag MSW. Lots of your voice thoughts are coming through. In fact, let me take Sia, who's in Mbangini, quickly before we uh, continue our chat. Sia, good evening. Uh, good evening, Rob. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. No, I'm good. Uh, greetings to Mr. Anas Mzagazak. Yeah, he's here. I've, yeah, I've given him a name. Eh? South, African name, South African name is Mzagazak. Sure, no problems. No, man, Rob. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna ask Anas one question. Mm-hmm. When is he, is he starting the investigation uh, here in South Africa? Because we've got a problem there, South There's too much corruption, Baba. Too much corruption when, in South Africa. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. When is he starting? All right, that's the question that we were going to be going into. I asked you before the break. I said, uh, do you believe that uh, SA SA football is corrupt? And you said yes. And you did say, even in our telephonic conversation, the last time when you were in Ghana, that if you had to come through here, there would be some form of turmoil. Why do you believe that there is corruption? Well, you see, number 12 for betraying the game yeah. is an African story. It gave us an opportunity to look into various countries and their football. And fortunately, South Africa was under a radar. And I'm very confident that we gathered enough prima facie evidence to be able to say that there is everything wrong with South African football. I say that with a lot of conviction. I can assure you that we have not worked on South Africa, like main body work. But if we do start, this country will be shocked. And like I said earlier, it will be an unmitigated disaster. For this country At the numbers level? the numbers have not yet added up mm-hmm. yet it takes a bit of if you watch number 12 you see that it's it's a bit a bit of it doesn't it's not only about human resource but also financial resource the numbers must be right if they are not right there's no point in starting and living in the middle but if we're able to get our acts together and we indeed come there will be a problem, a real problem. What is stopping you from coming through to, <laughs> to begin I can, this I cannot disclose so much here. But yes. Um, all I can say is that there are things that we put together as a team before we come to work. Right. If we get good collaborators within South Africa, why not? We will come. We will come and work. But we are not ready yet. So from just a, a general feeling, um, you, you saw with, with Ghana, it was from a, a Ghanaian FA perspective with Kwesi. With South African football, 
is it also at the level of the association or is it at the level of the professional league? Uh-huh. I saw that in the... Uh, you know I'm not a football person, so I may Correct. get some of the words wrong. No problem. So I saw that in the very young football, the one you play before you go to the league, uh-huh. the Premier League. The amateur. Yes. Yeah. And I saw that also in the Premier League. I mean, as you speak to people and you interview people, some mm. of these things will come to you. Or the first I'm division sure before the, 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 the premiership. Exactly. I'm okay. sure that people would have told you certain stories over the years. That yes. will make you crank a little bit. We were able to dance around some of these. We have also not... We've also we looked a little bit at also the ministry. Mm-hmm. And we think that not all is right. We can't point names. We can't point hands to anybody. But we think that if we put our searchlight there, we would find. Because some people are in the habit. Hmm. Because they have demonstrated that they will commit crimes if given the opportunity. Within the ministry? Yes. So So that means within... That translates to a government structure. Well, it's, it's a ministry. Yes, I mean, it's a, that's what it is. Yeah, so, so it becomes yeah. an arm of government. Correct. Uh, and here, I haven't said a minister. I said a ministry. ministry yeah. Yes. So there is a problem there. And we are hoping that we'll be able to put our acts together. You know, we, we nearly got through, but I think that the team that we were working with mm-hmm. said that there were some political issues they were looking at here. And so they want that to come first. I don't know the political situation here, but um, I can only wait. But I, but me and my team, we are dying. We would wish to come over to look at football. Would you say you were stopped? Well, I think that, like I said, if you are not ready, yes. you cannot be stopped. <laughs> you should be ready first. Then when you are moving there and you are stopped, then you are stopped. Preliminary we investigation. Have not, not, not really. You, you put ingredients together. Look, mm. it's also about security. You know, it's about human beings who are coming. It's about logistics. When an investigator is in trouble, who would mm. you call within ten minutes to come to the investigator's aid? Mm. You know, and it wasn't only in Johannesburg. It's across the length and breadth of South Africa, so it doesn't come cheap. So. It's not as if it's not one of those stories where a president or a politician can call you and say stop. No, it's wider and bigger than that, and it is not your one-month story. Mm. You are ready for it. You go deep into it, and you come out with the results. But I know it's difficult for you, Anas, and and I'm maybe asking an impossible question. But is it work that you believe? In 2019, for example, you would be more than willing to begin with? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But because I don't know. The, the thing is there, is, there is some form of bottleneck where in South African football, yeah, we know the potential. We know the attributes of what football gets because there is money. But we don't get the end product of football which is the football on the field succeeding national teams succeeding so clearly somewhere there is a problem and it is that problem maybe where South Africans have failed themselves to investigate properly what that problem is 
because something somewhere does not add up. You cannot have all these facilities, all the money, the fantastic weather, the sponsorships, all of these items that are there. You cannot have it all and still be a dismal failure in the sport of millions of black South Africans. That cannot be the case, surely. It's the point you have just made, fantastic point. That's what even drove us to find the prima facie evidence here. That all cannot be... Well, look at the great stadiums in Durban. Look at them. They are mesmerizing. Look at the amount of money that has been pumped into football here. Those are the things we look at before we decide to ask what is actually going wrong. We ask the question, are the right players being fielded? If no, why? Does anybody have a capacity to stop fielding that right player? That person in that village who is that star player, does he have equal opportunity of climbing Mm. and becoming part of the national team? Can someone favor somebody against the other because of a backhand? These were questions we asked. I can only give you all these answers when I have the capacity and the strength to look into South African football. Look, I'm more eager than you are. But things ought to be right. No, if they 100%. are not. Yeah, to do a good job. Because look, it's not as if these people you are going after are cheap people. Yeah, they made good money already. Mm. You understand? So they are, they are a force to reckon with. So at least you want certain basic things to be put together. And I take the opportunity to thank my South African team that helped in this recce. Mm. I want to thank you so much, especially. And my ladies, there are six girls who were part of our team. Right. I want to thank them for their bravery and everything. And we should just keep our fingers crossed. When the time is up, we will be there. I think you've, you've nailed it on, on many fronts, though, again, Anas, because it's not only in administration. It's not only within the football association or the professional level. I think the level you've even described now is a level within clubs where certain even coaches coaches have become agents and i think from your laughter you're pushing me (laughs) but i won't mind you (laughs) no because i listen i listen very carefully that is the one aspect that i love to do in an interview is listen and because my weight of evidence that has been given to me in the past says to me that some coaches in South Africa have virtually become agents. The sad thing is that there are some people we, we, we discovered yeah. that they think that in the next 10, 20 years, nobody's going to come after them. Because they've been doing it for so many years. When would somebody, why would somebody have a problem with that? And that's where the problem is. When people steal from us, Hmm. And they still with impunity. It hurts. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Anas. I, I, I thank you so much for honoring your word. Thank you. For when we spoke the last time that you would be here. Thank you. I've honored that to the listener. Thank you. I've honored it to you, thank your you. team that is here. Thank you. And I'm honoring my time to release you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anas. Really, really great stuff indeed. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And after that, we still got something going for you. Sure. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
and we'll certainly do that in a second. Yeah, has everyone calmed down after that? My word. Social media going crazy. Okay, we're going to get a quick update, though, because this man was in the country not so long ago. We go all the way to France. Bongani Zungu joins me uh, for a quick update on how he's doing and how life is and his injury. Hey, Bongza, good evening. Good evening, Rob. How are you? I mean, I'm strong, but it's you that I'm worried about. <laughs> no, you don't have to worry. I'm strong. <laughs> Everything sorted? How's the injury? Ah, getting better. You know, I've been working on it, you know, in the gym, with the physio. Even when I was in South Africa, I was doing physio every day, you know, so I can come back stronger and and quicker, you know. What are the doctors saying? What exactly was the problem, though? What did they diagnose it as, uh, Bongani? No, the problem was the the ligament, you know, they call it ACL injury, mm. you know. So they told me that my, my my ligament is damaged and stuff. So the doctor had to fix the ligament as well as the muscle in the knee. You know, the surgery took about three hours. So, so yeah, it was a successful uh, surgery and um, I feel good, man. Now I can walk. I'm just busy with the physio, as I just said, you know. Going to Greece sometime soon? Sorry? Going to be going to Greece sometime soon? <laughs> no, I, mean, I can't think about that, you know, because uh, right now I'm injured. I'm injured and yeah. I'm just, you know, my team is, 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 you know, helping me out with a lot of things. And, and yeah. But it must be exciting, though, Bongani. I know that it's a, at times it's a bit sensitive to talk about uh, moving anywhere when you still have a very loyal team with loyal supporters and supporters that love you as much as they do over there. But when you start getting people saying that teams, you know, like Olympiacos, all of those ones would love to have you, uh, whether Salta Vigo, whoever, would love to have you, what does that say to you and where you are in your journey in football right now? Personally, that, like, encourages me, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, um, I play football to, well, to succeed, to, to feed my family, and I play football because I love it. But when I see when I see such things and I get calls and teams, you know, being interested, you know, it shows that I, my, my level of hard work and, you know, I didn't just come here for a nice lifestyle, you know. So I, I feel very proud and, and, and I make my family proud because, because that's 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 why that's why I came here, you know, just to to succeed and and, and work hard. So I, I feel happy, you know. Though the supporters and the coaches and stuff, you know, they they kind of feel like maybe that can confuse me mentally. Yeah. But I I I, I get I'm so calm because even when I was in Portugal, I had I had some um, interest from 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 bigger teams and. Now I'm, I'm. I can say maybe I'm experienced. You now I know all about it. You know I know how to keep a cool head and and mm-hmm. be calm about all of it. You know, yeah. Your your wish though to join Orlando Pirates uh, when you return from Europe is that still on? <laughs> <laughs> because we've been having so many Pirates fans <laughs> saying, "Hey, you know, remind that man that he he owes us one when he does decide to say goodbye to Europe and come back to South Africa." And you got a very close relationship though with the assistant coach Roland Imgwen. Yeah, I, my my late father, you know, he was uh, like a big Orlando Pirates supporter, and I also grew up supporting Orlando Pirates. And 
And and Coach Zulani on my birthday he gave me a gift, a Paris T shirt, you know. Um, we we took it to them to, to social media and it became like a big thing. But all I can say as I told the other, you know, journalists and stuff that, you know, one day, you know, if Coach Zulani is there, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, to join. Orlando Pirates, you know, it would be like, you know, because it's like, you know, at home, you know, we grew up supporting the club and it's it's one of the big teams in South Africa, but at but the moment I'm just focused here and I'm enjoying myself here. You know, the football is top and the lifestyle is amazing, you know. UEFA Champions League must be the obvious thing for you now. Bongani, I think you're literally doing most of what you ever dreamed you wanted to do. Your first goal, I remember you talked about wanting to be a professional uh, football player. You achieved that. Then you wanted to play for the national team. Uh, You got through that. Uh, You wanted to play in Europe. That is exactly what is happening right now. How big a deal would Champions League make for you? Yeah, right now I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm as, you know, very close to 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 achieving to achieving that and i i it would be like it would mean a lot to me because uh, i feel like you know i need to 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 be like the likes of benny mccarthy you know the the guy played the champions league he even won it and that's what i want to achieve you know and i'm 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 very close to i feel like i'm very close to to achieving that you know i'm I'm working hard every time, you know, when I'm in the pitch, you know, I, I, I try my best, you know, to to, to play good and, and be, you know, in top, you know, level. And, yeah, I feel like if it happens, you know, I'll be very happy mm-hmm. and hopefully it happens soon, you know. No, without a doubt. And do you think, though, Bongs, as, as we wrap things up here quickly, is that Bafana Bafana take on Nigeria? It's a very, very important game for us. We need to qualify for this AFCON 2019. Uh, would you be yeah. back or would that be too soon for you? No, that would be too soon. I'm, I will be back. You know, I feel like my injury, ACL injury takes long. And, yeah. you know, I won't be available next month. But I, I, I should be available against Libya away. Okay. But I hope the the guys, you know, fill everything. Like I hope we beat Nigeria um, next month, so we can we can qualify. What's your feeling, though, given how we struggled against Seychelles away? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was very disappointed, you know, because you know we have to to grind the result. We had to win the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was I was sad. It was a sad result. But uh, I believe in the coach. I feel like I feel like we need to. I feel like we, we need we, we need experience. I feel like the likes of Serrero, you know, they must make peace with whoever they 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 they, they have conflict with or whatever. You know, we, we need them. You know, we need Neymar Shangu. We need the experience. If you check, you know, the the biggest. Um, um, football countries in Africa, mm. they, they they've got experience. They've got European based players. You know, you know we need that. You know, not to say the guys that are playing there, but we need experience. Sure. When I when I first went to the national team, there was Shaba, there was the Hatri, there was there was a lot of like big players. Big you know, names, and that yeah. helped me as a yeah, that helped me as a young star. You know, too, and 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 I was I was motivated. I wanted to play overseas. I wanted to be like. Bongani Kuma, oh, I want to, I wanted to be like Anelengong at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, 
I feel like we need that in our national team. But uh, I believe in the coaches just said, and I feel like we just have to 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 reach out to the guys that are there that have issues with our with whoever in the national team, and hopefully they sort out things and we get them we get them in the squad as soon as possible. We'll keep track on you, Bongani. Zungu. Thank you so much, Varamdala, and uh, nice to catch up. And uh, good to know that you're making very, very steady progress with your injury. All the best. Keep up the good work. We remain extremely proud of where you are in your football journey. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Bwani Zungu coming through live uh, from France. Uh, we know that uh, a certain pirates man who reads the news, Mutupi, is... Uh, been crossing his fingers, waiting to find out if he is going to be coming back and playing for Pirates. But Dubi, I haven't heard your voice this week. Are you good? Uh, I'm, I'm good, my brother. No complaints, eh? Yourself? No, 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 no. I, you know me. I, I love what you do. I love what I do. And I love making sure that you do what you do and you do it on time.